Hey guys, how are we this morning? Super encouraged that, that you guys uh, who are here prayed for the rain to come. So really, really encouraged by that. If you guys are watching on, uh, on uh, I was going to say TV, it may be TV. It's great to have you guys with us. We know that so many of you guys are still working out when to come back because of COVID and that kind of thing. And we support you in that. And so wherever you're at in the world, if you're watching or you're here, we're just glad that you're here. So how about we pray and then we'll look at God's word. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, we pray that, that you would speak to us through your word uh, as we look at it today. Lord, this, this passage seems to be, on, on first blush for so many of us, seems to be kind of weird and irrelevant. But Lord, for us as a church especially, this is an extremely relevant word. So Lord, I pray that you would speak through me and that we would be able to become more united in you because of how we are affected by your word this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the right ex expectations that most of us or, or all of us have about churches is that they are places of love and unity. They are places where uh, you will be accepted if you come and you are loved and places where we're, we're all united, that there's not squabbles or anything like that. And when this happens, when churches are a place of love and unity, great things happen. The gospel goes out and people come to know Jesus. People grow in their knowledge and love of Jesus through the gospel and his word. People are healed, marriages are healed and helped. So many great things happen in churches where there are places of love and unity in the gospel. But I don't know about you, but I've been through a bunch of churches where there was severe disunity. I've never gone through a church split yet, but, and I don't want to, but I dare say a lot of you have. As I was thinking uh, about this, this uh, talk, I was thinking, why, why do churches become disunified? Why do churches split? Now, now sometimes there, there's good reason to uh, uh, teaching toxic theology. And the leadership rightly, you know, kind of almost cordons them off and deals with them and, and, and does that in a very, a, a very courageous and yet gentle and loving way. And that's a good thing. Sometimes there's a person who is damaging the whole, the whole community. And once again, the leadership has to deal with that person well and maybe even their followers well. Sometimes there is a scandal that happens which brings you know, division. But usually, church splits and church conflicts happen over silly things that Christians can disagree on. I've seen it time and time and time again. That churches split or churches are at war with each other not because of really, really important things but over second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, thirteenth order issues. I made a list of things that I, I have heard uh, churches blow up about or, or that kind of thing. And so have a listen to some of these. I've heard of churches go into turmoil because they couldn't agree on the colour to paint the church, the church fence, or the toilet. 
I've heard of churches, uh, uh, church, uh, churches split over various weird theological issues. I'll give you an example. I know of a church that split over the difference between intra and supralapsarianism. Some of you guys have never heard those words, and, and trust me, you're kind of blessed if you haven't. It's kind of boring theological speak. For before the creation of the world, did God uh, did God plan the elect or the fall first? Who cares, right? But a church split over that. Churches have had an internal severe internal conflict over what kind of music we should have in church, whether to buy uh, some new crockery, I've heard, or whether to buy a new piece of technology or something like that. A different idea, you know, you know I've heard Christians within churches at war over different types of parenting, or should Christian parents send their kids to Christian schools always, or who should people vote for or recently, should all Christians get vaccinated or not? Things that Christians can disagree upon, and yet these are the things that Satan uses to derail churches. And and these, and you may have a different opinion, and it should be okay, but a lot of churches derail because of these things. And so today, we're going to look at uh, uh, this problem in the Roman church. And it's all about, should Christians be able to eat meat? And I think, I think it's not just any type of meat. And I actually don't think it's about kosher meat or not. I think in the Roman world, what they used to do is sacrifice meat to idols. And you've got a group of people who are saying, we shouldn't eat any meat because we don't know whether it's come from, uh, you know, these sacrifices. And so then there's other people who are saying, we're free in Jesus to do whatever we want, to eat whatever we want, and so we can eat it. And Paul is saying, seeing this, or hearing about this, rather, from afar, and he wants to address this. He wants them to be a united church. And can I just say, if Paul was here, he'd be saying, I want MCC to be united, united in the gospel united in the things that really matter and not divided over silly little things that we can disagree upon. At at the the issue here, have a look at verse 1 with me. He says, Except the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak only eats vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the other one who does, for God has accepted them. Can you see the problem here? You've got two different groups and they're judging each other. One one person is saying, hey, don't you realize if you are a Christian, you shouldn't eat that meat? And the other one's saying, actually, if you're a Christian, you would realize that you are free in Jesus and you can eat whatever you want. And there's division here. And so Paul is talking to the weak and the strong. The, the weak are those people who, who are saying, hey, we don't, um, we don't eat this meat because somehow that kind of uh, brings into disrepute our relationship with Jesus. And I dare say what, what they're really concerned about is this. They want to make sure of their relationship with Jesus so they're putting extra rules in place so that their security in Jesus is affirmed. And then you've got the strong who are saying, oh, we're free. 
do whatever we want and looking down on everyone else. And so we're going to look at this passage and we're going to see what Paul says to the weak or what the gospel says to the weak, what the gospel says to the strong, and then how can we all live together? What the gospel says to the weak, what the gospel says to the strong, and how we can all live together. Let's have a look at what, excuse me, the gospel says to the weak. And I think the weak have forgotten a few things. Let's have a look at the first thing that they have forgotten. Have a look at verse 3 with me again. It says this, The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Did, Did you see, Paul is saying here, it doesn't matter whether you eat certain foods or not, you are not accepted on the basis of what you eat. You are uh, accepted on the basis of whether God has accepted you in Jesus. Has Jesus died for you whether you eat everything or nothing? Yes, he has. And so you weak, you weak brothers and sisters have forgotten the gospel because the gospel says, guess what? You are accepted in Jesus and you are free, therefore. But also the second thing they've forgotten is that God is the judge. Have a look at verse 4 with me. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master's servant stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. These, these weak guys who are, who are judging people who, who eat whatever meat they want, that, uh, Paul is saying, don't you realize it's not your place to judge? They serve Jesus and not you, and therefore God will judge them. It's not your point to judge. And he keeps going in verse 5, he says this, what one person considers one day more sacred than the other, another considers each day, every day alike. Each of them should be f- fully convinced in their own mind. He's basically saying, guess what? That you can disagree. You can disagree on whether, whether you think one day is particularly holy or each day is, is just every, like every other day. It doesn't matter. You can disagree on that. And finally... They've forgotten who they practice their faith for. Have a look at verse 6 with me. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. You see what he's saying is, whatever we do as Christians, we do for Jesus first and foremost. Now, here's the problem with, with I think, the weak and, and people who make huge, big stands over things that don't really matter. They're usually doing it for everybody else. They're usually doing it so that people would see how great they are. But Paul is saying, no, you don't do it for other people. You do it for Jesus. You do it for God. Christian, I was probably a Christian for a year or two, and, a, and this band came into to Maury, all the youth group kids got together and, uh, you know, they were, um, yeah, there was a dark room and the music was amazing and blah, blah, blah and all this kind of stuff. And I can remember looking around and, and uh, you know, I was trying to praise God. I was trying to look like I was praising God. And afterwards, the irony hit me that I sung maybe for two hours or it was a long time, but, you know, I sung for two hours and all the time, I wanted people to see that I love Jesus. And so what wasn't I doing all in the midst of that? 
I wasn't loving Jesus. I was more concerned about me being seen to be this righteous, holy, Jesus-loving person rather than actually praising Jesus himself. And I think that's what Paul is saying that, that these weak brothers and sisters are doing. They're making such this huge stand so that other people would see them and they've forgotten that they do these things not for the praise of others but for the praise of God. They have forgotten that. Whether you eat meat or not, it doesn't matter you're doing but for the praise of God and we've forgotten that. And so here's the challenge that Paul has got for the weak. Verse 9, have a look at it with me. He says this, For this very reason Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or your sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we all stand before God's judgment seat. It, it is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or a sister. What is he saying? He is saying, care more about your own conduct than others. Care more about your own conduct than others. Don't, don't come into a church gathering judging others. No, look in the mirror first. Sort out your own backyard before anything else. I can still remember um, at my previous church, a, a young guy, he was, he was around my age, so we were young back then, and uh, he came to me and he, and he had this laundry list of all the things his wife should have been doing as a Christian woman and she shouldn't believe the gospel and blah, blah, blah. And I was like kind of blown away and taken aback by that. And there was a visiting, uh, a visiting pastor. He was just on holidays and he was coming. He came and he, he just said, hey, brother, how are you going at loving her like Christ loves the church? And he goes, no, 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 no. What, what you've got to realize is that she's not doing it. And, and the kind, gentle pastor said, uh, oh, yeah, I, I, I hear that, brother. But how are you going at loving her like Christ loves the church? Are you doing that perfectly? And he said, oh, well, I give it my, my best bash. And he said, well, you can do better. Focus on yourself and see how your marriage improves. What was interesting about three months later, that, that same guy who had the laundry list of, of all the things his wife wasn't doing, he put that into practice. Three months later, he came back and he said, hey, can I get in contact with that old pastor? Because he was right. I wonder if, actually, I don't wonder, that's not strong enough. I can guarantee you, your relationship with Jesus will be better your experience of church will be better if you come to each sermon not thinking, man, that would be a good word for Shalisha or Shelley, Sharon or Sean, but you went, that's a good word for me and I need to hear it. Because I don't know about you, but man, I, I'd be 
I, I, I'll, I'll listen to a sermon. I'll go, man, that's a really good word. I hope, you know, this person's hearing went, no, it's a good word for me. And I shouldn't be judging anyone else but dealing with myself. How do you go with that? How are you going with that? Dealing with your own backyard before looking across the fence to others. That's how the gospel applies to the weak. Let's have a look how the gospel applies to the strong. And let's ask the question once again, what has the strong forgotten? Have a look at verse 15 with me. It says this, If your brother or your sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. He, he is saying, don't you realize the person who is distressed by your eating is someone for whom Christ died. They are your brother or sister. And if you are kind of showboating the fact that you can eat meat and it doesn't really matter because you're free in Jesus, you are not loving them. In fact, uh, there's a sense in which you have got contempt for them. And he, he is saying, you need to grow up. You need to realize what the gospel is saying to you at this point. Because the gospel is saying, no, it's not about you flaunting your freedom. It's about Jesus has died for you and loved you in doing that. You've got to love other people and you're not doing that at the moment. You have forgotten that. But, but second of all, you've forgotten what the kingdom is all about. Have a look at verse 17 with me. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way, way is pleasing to God and re receives human approval. He is saying, guess what? The kingdom of God is all about the, the things that you've forgotten about. It's not about eating and drinking. It's not about exercising your freedom to do whatever you want. No, no, no. It's about righteousness. Right living before God. And you're not doing it. it, it, it it's, a, it's about peace. And how can you be at peace with your brother or sister if you are flaunting your freedom in front of them in a way that actually makes them distressed? He's saying it's about joy. And yet, you are eating in front of them and they're not causing joy to anyone else. It's just causing pride and arrogance for you. Brothers and sisters, you have forgotten what the gospel is all about, what the kingdom is all about. You have made something that is so inconsequential to be the ultimate thing and you are causing divisions. And guess what? That is not bringing peace but war. That's not bringing righteousness but hostility. That is not bringing joy but pain and sorrow you've forgotten what the what the kingdom is all about and therefore his challenge to the weak is in verse 19 sorry challenge to the strong rather verse 19 let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification do not destroy the work of god for the sake of food all food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink or wine, uh, drink wine, sorry, or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. He's saying very, very clearly, put others in the community before yourself. Put others in your church community before yourself. 
in, in my almost five years, the conflict that, that has arisen in this church is generally because we have put ourselves ahead of others. And one of the things that, that's sad about that is that when that happens, when I decide I'm going to put myself ahead of others, I've forgotten the gospel. Paul is saying, put others ahead of yourself. Now, now here's the thing. If you are from a more traditional background, especially you know, an Asian background, or, or you're, you've been born before you know, 1970, um, you find this pretty easy, right? I mean, I mean, this is part of what you were brought up with, to, to actually put communities, whether it be a family or something, before yourself. You find your identity by being part of a community, right? But there was a shift that happened uh, in the 60s intellectually, but came in the 70s, and, and is now just full-blown gone mad, I guess. And that's what... what uh, uh, many uh, sociologists call expressive individualism. What that means is, I'm going to find how I define myself internally, and I'm going to chase who I want to be and my dreams, and guess what? It doesn't matter about my family, they've got to put up with it. It doesn't matter about the community. I'm going to be who I want to be. And guess what? The community's got to love me. I'm not going to change the community. The community's got to change for me. And, and you see the seeds of this in the worst movie ever. The worst movie ever, and let's not divide on this issue, but it is the worst movie ever. Um, it's called Sound of Music, right? And uh, I, you, you know, I cannot stand that movie. Let's not divide over it, but I'm right. And... Um, there's this, there's this one song, one song that captures, I think, this idea of I've got to be who I've got to be, and it doesn't matter because remember the main character, character, she's in a in a nunnery, she's a nun, and she leaves it to follow her dreams, and this is the main song that captures the whole vibe of the whole movie and captures what we're on about or what our our uh, I guess our society is on about. Have a listen to these words. I won't sing it because you won't believe in Jesus if you heard me sing, right? Here's the words. Climb every mountain. Search high and low. Follow every highway, every path you know. Climb every mountain. Ford every stream. Follow every rainbow till you find your dream. You, you hear those lyrics and you hear someone like Guy Sebastian sing it and, and, and it gives you, you know, the hairs on the back of your neck stand out. It's amazing because you just go, yeah, I've got a dream and I'm going to find it. And yet, that's what our world is saying. And so when we go, here's who I am, here's my dreams, here's what I want to be, I come into this community and then I go, well, I'm absolutely free in Jesus so I can do whatever I want. I can eat meat because, hey, that's who I am. I'm a meat eater, and it doesn't matter if, if you're stumbling, I'm just going to do that. And we could go through every issue. And yet, the gospel says, no, that's radically different, that's radically wrong. The gospel says that when Jesus died for you, 
He didn't save you so you could be a good little individual Christian living your life and just kind of drop into church when you want. No, he said, uh, the gospel says that when Jesus died for you, you were adopted to be God's son or daughter. And when he adopted you, you became part of the family of Jesus called the church. So, so here's what I want you to do. Look around for a sec. I really want you to do this. Look around for a sec. Look, look to the people behind you. Look to the people who are, who are next to you. Those aren't just kind of some weird people who can't really sing or whatever. No, those people are your brothers and sisters in Christ. And therefore, what the gospel says is this, that you give up your freedoms to love and serve them. You may want to eat meat and it doesn't matter, but if your brother or sister will stumble, you don't. You may want to drink alcohol, but if that will make your brother or sister stumble, you don't. You may want to wear whatever you want, but if that, that will make your brother or sister stumble, you won't. I, I can remember going to, going to Moria Anglican. One morning I got up in the morning um, before, before 9 o'clock, which is a minor miracle back when I was a teenager, and I decided to go to church. And I think I was making a statement because what I, what I found, found my Pearl Jam shirt and I had something quasi-offensive on it and I had these cut-off army jeans which were really straggly and I wore my Doc Martens. I rocked up to church. And uh, this older lady who had been there for decades and served the church and was an amazing pillar of the church, she pulled me aside and she said, Hans, I think what you're wearing is disrespectful to God. And I said to her, I am free in Jesus and therefore I will, I will wear whatever I want to wear because Jesus says, I am, it, it is by grace you have been saved. He does not say it is by what you wear you have been saved. She went away and told the pastor. And he pulled me aside and he said, dude, what are you doing? You know, you, you know, you're wearing that stupid T-shirt. And, and look, she, she's offended and she probably should be. And I walked away thinking, man, like, he's just so old, he doesn't get me. I got in the car and my mum said, you were talking to Marcus, who was the pastor, what, what happened? I told him what, and my mum exploded at me. And she said, next week you're going to get up early and you're going to church and I'm going to iron your clothes. And I wore nice, nice clothes and a button-up shirt. And my mum ironed, you know, you know when your mum irons your pants and there's that crease down the middle like that? She did that. It was really embarrassing and everything. And so I went there and, and I was like really frustrated. And it wasn't until a few years later I realized that that lady, I should have gone, oh, I'm sorry for wearing this. I'm sorry that it's made you stumble. I am not caring for you in the gospel. I was just living out what our, our society said. The gospel says, no hands. You are not free to wear clothes that is going to make your sister in Christ stumble. You are free to serve her by wearing nice clothes which have been ironed really funny.
because you love her and you love the gospel. Brothers and sisters, I wonder what freedoms you are giving up for the sake of your brothers and sisters in Christ here. Let's look at the last point, how we can all live together. Have a look at verse 22. It says this, So whatever you believe about these things, keep them between yourself and God. Gee, that's that's just hard, isn't it? Because when I've got an opinion about everything, I've been told that, you know, my voice really matters. And here Paul is saying, no, if you've got some disputable thing, why don't you just shut up about it? You don't need to tell anyone about it. Just keep it between yourself and God and guess what? You'll be fine. Now, now, Paul's not saying that we shouldn't discuss ethical issues that we can disagree on, right? Paul's not saying that we should never discuss politics or anything, but I think what he's really saying is this. If there's going to be something that causes your brother or sister to stumble, don't bring it up. Don't bring it up. Now, there might be some, some times when a brother or sister has to be corrected, but maybe that doesn't have to be you. Maybe you should just encourage them in, in their faith. In our world, we are so quick to speak what's on our mind and we're not quick enough to love each other. We're so quick to tell people they're wrong because I believe something else. And Paul is saying, you don't have to do that. Just love your brother or sister in Christ. Wouldn't it be, I think churches would be a lot nicer places if we went, oh, someone's saying something I, can, I disagree with. And I go, oh, that's nice. Okay. Oh, they've got a different view on politics? Okay. Fair enough. Oh, they've got a different way of raising, uh, you know, their children? Oh, okay. Fair enough. They like Pearl Jam? Oh, okay, that's okay. You know, whatever it is. See, we want to be a church which sees a flood of people become Christians. We want to be a church where people grow in knowledge. If the leadership team and the staff team has to just keep running around putting up fires over matters that don't really matter in the end, what do we do? Well, we forget about what we're here for. And that's why this is so important. Because as a church, we want to be unified. We want to be united around the gospel. As a church, we want to make sure that we make the main thing the main thing always. And we want to push out with that main thing, with the gospel. And so we don't want to be derailed by by silly arguments. But we want to be united for the glory of Jesus. That will mean that all of us individually will be so Uh, captured by the gospel, that we make that the main thing and that because of the love of Jesus, we will love everyone else before ourselves and we will put their wishes and needs before us all for the glory of Jesus. That's the church I want to be a part of. Is that the church that you want to be a part of too? Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you would help us to be a church that is so overcome by the love of Jesus that we would put 
uh, other people before ourselves, that we would think about our behaviours, our thoughts, our, our, our patterns, and how they, how they are loving or not loving to our brothers or sisters in Christ. Help us to so live lives that, that give you glory and praise, but help other people to love and serve you all their days. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.